welcome back to Sustainability Warriors. Yes, we have a very special guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, yeah. I'm Alan Savell. <laughs> I didn't know you were talking about me, special guest. <laughs> Alan Savell, I'm an assistant uh, professor here at St. Ambrose, and I teach communications, mainly journalism. Yes. Yeah. Well, and you're famous, too. You used to be on TV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, years <laughs> ago. Yeah, in the 80s, I was a reporter over at Channel 8 for about 10 years. And then I did movie reviews, and then I uh, wrote a media column in the early 90s. And um, then I did radio news at WOC for a while, and I still keep my finger in it, and I write for the Let's Move Quad Cities. Mm -hmm. uh, I write the Battle of the Bulge blog, um, and I... <laughs> I'm, I aim at the older male target audience, so. <laughs> although anybody can read me. So. Yeah. yeah. And I, can I plug my... Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I also have my own podcast and website, alansavell.com, where I tell my story. So feel free to go there. I'm going to look at the numbers as soon as this <laughs> airs to see if they went up. Yeah. So. We you guys better, better go check it out. Listen. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, though. Yeah, we're excited to have you on today, though. I've because mm -hmm. I've had you for two classes. I had mm -hmm. you like speech freshman year, and then media and society this yeah. past the fall, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So when we were all masked up, and I couldn't tell who was who. Yeah. 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 But speech, how did that go? I liked it. I mean, I don't. I'm not like a fan of public speaking, but I think I'm like fine at it. But I thought I think it was good to like take it my freshman year. Because I've had to do like more speeches recently. So. Right. That's the time to take it early on and then you keep practicing. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Fun. Love that. I know a lot of people like hate speech classes, but I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah. It was, I had it too freshman year and it wasn't bad at all. Mm -hmm. so. But my teacher was pretty easy. It was Caldwell. Caldwell? Kenneth Caldwell? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Nice. Well, we have some fun questions to ask you that we like to ask mm. a lot of our guests. But the first one is, what is your favorite bathroom on campus and why? I am so glad you asked me. <laughs> I've been pondering that for 34 years. Oh my God. <laughs> it's funny that you, you do ask that question because when I was the advisor to the paper, the, the buzz, the first or second year, some kid wrote an editorial about his favorite bathroom, the mm, best bathroom really? on campus. And he wanted to have a, uh, a regular column about the different bathrooms on campus. Oh. And I got a call from the administration telling me how terrible an idea that was. Really? Yeah. So now, 30-some-odd years later, <laughs> you guys... Revitalizing it? Well, but I've put a, go ahead. It's funny because after our first episode, Paul Cook emailed us and he was like, my favorite bathroom is blah, blah, blah. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 See, things have changed. Paul was just a, uh, a professor oh, then. So right. he was, um, he didn't have a say. He probably would have stood up for me then. But um, it's funny. I know the ones I don't like. The worst one that mm -hmm. I think is in Cosgrove. When you're going, when you walk past where the buzz is now mm -hmm. and go to Cosgrove 24, that lab back in there, there's some men's and women's rooms, which mm. s don't smell very well. Mm. I mean, they just, they stink. And so if I'm there, I'm in and I'm out quick. I don't know. We've got privacy in the basement of Galvin. True. Down at TV. I don't know. So... 
And the other one, okay, another bad one is in the art wing. When you go down to the, in the art wing, there's some little tiny bathrooms there. Oh. And there's a big crack in the wall of the men's. And I'm always <laughs> worried that the building is going to collapse or <gasps> it's settling in that side of the building. But Oh, no. But other than that, oh, I've spent too much time thinking. <laughs> my favorite place to wash my hands Ooh. Ooh. is in the art wing. <gasps> You know, where you can step on yes. the pedal and you can wash your hands. You yeah. don't have to touch anything. Yeah. So that's, there you go. That's a new question. We can ask I people like where they like to wash, wash their, their hands. hands. <laughs> well, and in Galvin, upper, in the, just off the lobby, they put in a new new handle so you could hit them with your elbows if you wanted to. Oh. Which is like in a kitchen. Oh, you know, cool. so you can hit it. And you know, you know, if your hands are right. messy from dough, or if, mm-hmm. not that they'd be messy from dough and Galvin, but yeah, yeah, oh, that's cool. There you go. Yeah. All right. I think <laughs> I've exhausted that. <laughs> <laughs> um, our next question is: If you could start a cult on campus, what would it be, and why? And that's another one. Um, <laughs> I I am not a joiner. Mm-hmm. So, I wouldn't want to be a leader. I kind of, it's weird. I love being in a classroom, but I like to be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to go, it's not like I have a separate room, but I have a room where I go and I've got my stereo and my books and, you know, I'm away from all the people. So, um, yeah, I, I I like I. I don't like the idea of cults. Not for the demonic. <laughs> That's not a really controversial thing to say, but you're around a lot of like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Right. To me, that would be boring. Oh. I mean, if you're hanging around with everybody, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, let's do that. And we, yeah, we're all together. And it's like, well, I'd like to discuss this and let's have some discussion and learn new things and different perspectives. So, yeah. I'd, I'd be miserable in a cult. I mean, even if it were a Yankee cult, and I'm a big Yankee fan, I get bored talking about that all the time. So, yeah, count me out as a cult leader. So the, the anti-cult. So everyone stay yeah, away from yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, get away. <laughs> I like that. It's a different answer. I do answer. like that. It was yeah. good. Huh. I also feel the same way. I also like to be away from people a lot of times, too. Yeah. You need your time to right. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Oh, uh, another question we have is, what's your favorite restaurant in the Quad Cities? I don't think we've asked this before. Mm-mm. Ah, well, and you probably don't know, um, but I used to do a regular feature when I was a television reporter called Dining Out, and every week I'd report on a different oh, restaurant. Yeah. That's so fun. So, yeah, and I have absolutely no training whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, I had training in broadcast, but... Um, but my job at the time was to go out to small towns, find an interesting story, mm. and do that. Mm-hmm. And so while I was out there, I was eating at all these little out-of-the-way restaurants. I would never go to a McDonald's or Hardee's or, I mean, you could get that anywhere, and I still didn't want to go there. So I, I, I liked going to the small towns and finding places. Here, uh, oh God. The, my favorite one, there was a. There used to be a restaurant on the second floor of the Rock Island Sheridan. I don't even think it's the Sheridan anymore. It was called Linguini's. It was an Italian restaurant where the owner of the hotel loved to cook. 
So at the end of the day, he'd finish up doing the books or whatever an owner of a hotel does. Yeah. And then he'd go up to his restaurant and put on an apron and he made homemade pasta. Oh, it was so good. Um, but then he got transferred to a, his family owned the hotels. And so he got transferred to another hotel. So that went out, which doesn't help you. So I would say because um, my mom was Italian and we ate a lot of Italian food growing up, I am a big fan of Italian food. And I like Lenardi's. Uh, Terry Lenardi, who passed away a few years ago, was a big St. Ambrose benefactor. So I started going there because of that. But, I mean, I stayed going. I kept going because of the food. So Lenardi's is good. Have you guys been to Lenardi's? I don't think so. I think I had a takeout there before. Yeah. Well, now you can go in. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it's good. And another place is Tiramisu. In yeah, I've been there for sure. That's yeah, really good. That's good, too. Mm-hmm. And the new one that I like is might be out of a college student's range, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Monarch um, over in Bettendorf on Fifty Third, I think. Yeah, that one is really good. I've been there once. Yeah, it it's is really expensive. good. I mean, you can you don't have to get the top price. You can mm-hmm. get a salad. I got a quinoa, mm. beans, and a bunch of stuff bowl, and it was really good. Mm. So, I mean, you can add chicken or fish or whatever but it was really good even without it so yeah those are my favorite and don't ask me about pizza because i'm struggling to find (laughs) you know i've been to like low low pies low pies Mm -hmm. currently is my favorite yeah that's good yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so if you really like italian food what do you think about olive garden oh i was gonna yeah the look his face. Side eye. Oh, no. yeah. Well, I will say we go once a year because oh. my kids like it. Um. They weren't raised, you know, on Italian food necessarily. Or they were raised on second-generation Italian food, my cooking. So we go there just uh, the day or two before Christmas. Mm. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the salad, there's no green. I know. Yeah. It's iceberg. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. I like the unlimited soup for sure, but I like the salad dressing. Oh, well, I do buy that. That's good. And I, I, yeah. In the salad? You can. The one that's just like, yeah, in the salad. You can buy that. So it's good. Yeah. I saute um, or stir fry chicken or fish in that. So. Ooh. It's good. That's a good idea. Yeah. I don't really like the breadsticks though. Really? I know a lot of people do, but I think they're too salty. But that's just That's just me. I like them, but you're, that's a good point. Like, I like yeah. bread, but I don't know. They're kind of like Wonder Bread, <laughs> yeah. Wonder bread yeah. sticks. Mm-hmm. So, Wonder yeah, sticks. they don't have. <laughs> that's a good name for them. Yeah. I just yeah. made that up. <laughs> but I'm going to use it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I guess the next thing we want to talk about is that you're retiring yeah. very soon. How do you feel about that? Um, I have mixed emotions. Yeah. I, mean, I, I really like teaching. Um, but, but I'm excited to read and write what I want to read and write, Mm -hmm. but I know the time has come because when I'm in class and I make a reference to something, (laughs) which I think just happened, it really happened 20 years ago Mm -hmm. or 25 years ago. And the students look at me like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And then I've got to explain my reference and then I look at the clock and I went oh 
Jesus, 10 minutes just went by. <laughs> and now I don't have time for everything else. So, yeah. I mean, I've tried to stay current, but it gets harder and harder the more you do it. So mm-hmm. it's time for somebody else to do it. So, yeah, I mean, the only thing I worry about is I'm going to be home and my wife works out of the home mm-hmm. and she's already making noise that she doesn't want me there. <laughs> it's like, so you're going to be home all the time, huh? I was like, yeah, <laughs> I live here. <laughs> so, but I have a little recording studio and it's, it's kind of a sewing room. It was built as a sewing room when the house was built. It's just a block and a half from here. Um, you came. You know where it is. I knocked on yeah. it once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but right above that door that you knocked on, there's where the house comes to a V. Oh. There's this little, it looked like a closet to me, but it's called a sewing room. And so I've made a recording studio in there. And so I'm going to go in there and write and record stuff. And yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. Do you mean like new projects you're going to work on or just? No, I'm, I've been working on that alancevelle.com. AlanSavelle.com. <laughs> Let's get that plug in there. I could spell it. Um, I'm gonna. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I. Yeah. I got a note from some book publisher the other day wanting to know if I wanted to write a textbook, and I thought, ah, mm. that might be something. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, I don't, I've never been bored because I like to read. So. Right. To me, if you're a reader. And at all curious, there's always something to do. Right. Always. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not worried about it. That's great. Talk to me in six months. So, <laughs> <laughs> when school starts, see if I'm wandering the campus. Yeah, you're just you just know. like does somebody the need perimeter. A, yeah, does somebody need a guest speaker. <laughs> any any teachers sick today? <laughs> Here I come. Yeah. You should just pop into a classroom or something. Yeah, like ba- while Bauman's teaching, I'll just pop in. I'll <laughs> yeah. stand behind him and make faces. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always, I had you as a, for a professor once. I always liked your class. You were always fun. Oh, good. So, yeah, yeah. I always liked the discussions that we had. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, I loved Media yeah. and Society. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a, a good class. class. Don't tell anybody, but that was my favorite class. I couldn't wait to get there in the morning. To, really? Well, yeah, because yeah. the discussions would get going. You know, some ideas would be crazy. Some ideas would be things I never thought of. You know, it's, uh, yeah. it's just a lot of fun. And you don't get that on the outside. That's the one True. thing that, you know, when you leave college, people will be talking about, you know, what kind of fertilizer should I put on my lawn? You know, <laughs> hey, where'd you get that snow shovel? <laughs> You know, it's not, you know, right. it's not the really in-depth intellectual conversation. I mean, those are conversations you need to have. Right. I get that. But you kind of, if you're used to, you know, I don't know, the, the great intellectual ideas, sometimes you don't get that when you get out. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, top yeah. 10 Netflix movies to watch or, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah I'm I do worry about that, but I, I belong to a book club, and um, so we get together, and I, that's fun. So yeah, I'll have that. Good. Join a book club; they're great. Ooh. So maybe I will. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they are. They're great. Yeah, yeah. I just don't like read as much as I would like to. I just like my attention span is shorter, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I'd also just like my brain's tired from school. 
So yeah, I think, I think, you know, I don't know. I'm just guessing. I think the phones and the computer and the easy access to information, you, you, I saw a movie the other day where the professor told the students to look up some words, but he insisted that they look them up in a real dictionary. And the idea was, as they were looking them up in a real dictionary, they would pass other words and they would learn oh. other things. And I, I think about that with all sorts of things. I mean, with the newspaper, if you and you can go online and read the newspaper, but you're clicking on articles mm-hmm. that you like. You're not having to look at articles you hadn't thought about before. Oh, there's a story from Cambodia. I don't know anything about Cambodia, but somehow maybe the headline grabs you and you go into it. So I do worry about what this is doing to our attention span, the, yeah. the technology. So so you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this summer I'll get into books, though. Yeah. I bet there's book clubs in Iowa City. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I'll report back. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Send us an email. Well, talk to your professors. I mean, yeah. with the ones you connect with, just yeah. ask them. You know, I'm sure that they'll connect you. Although probably in grad school – you're going to be too busy right. to yeah to join but true i don't like i'm not sure how it's going to go cuz like i won't be running anymore cuz right. i'm on the track and cross country teams now which takes a lot of time yeah, yeah. but i'm also going to have like a part time job like mm-hmm. in grad school but i don't know what's your job i'm going to work at a clothing store it's oh. like they have vintage clothing and like sustainable oh. options and stuff like that oh. it's on the ped mall so i'm really excited for that which mm-hmm. one um what is it called I should probably rev- revival. I oh, should know okay. this. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna work there. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I'm excited. I, I just didn't know whether they gave you a, um, a graduate assistantship or not. Oh. No, it's like an interdisciplinary oh. like program. So like I could. They said I could go like to like another department, but I don't wouldn't feel very qualified to like teach any or like help anyone in like other classes. I suppose. Yeah, like if they're like very specific to like sustainability and stuff like that. But if I'm like in like a geology class, I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be very good at that. Right. But also I feel like it'd be weird like teaching people like that are really close in age to you. I agree. I feel I like agree. I don't know if they would like respect you or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You go in there and you carry yourself. Yeah. Like they're going to respect right. you. You don't let them know that you're thinking that. That's all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds easy, but I know right. it's not. But mm-hmm. I mean, I was lucky. I got a job in the public relations department for the university. So that's what I did. I didn't have to teach. Mm. So I did radio reports for them. So that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, so not all jobs are teaching but mm-hmm. in grad school. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, our topic for today, I guess we haven't said that yet, but we're going to talk about climate change in the media and how that interacts. Because it's like actually like a pretty big deal about mm-hmm. how they interact and like how the public gets their information about it. Mm-hmm. So I just have did a little research mm-hmm. on the internet. Um, so I'm just going to read some stuff I found. Um so while the media industry has done a lot of good towards climate related or covering climate related news, the media has failed to give climate change enough attention, hold politicians accountable, and push more nuanced conversations. Uh, so 
What do you think about that? What do I think? Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I think now it's become a lot more popular to cover climate change and other um, impacts like that. But I also think that a lot of the times we're not doing it consistently. So we're only doing it there's like a big natural disaster and like scientists come out saying it was made worse by climate change or if there's like um, public demonstrations of like uh, recently how there was like climate scientists like striking and like doing stuff like that then they all cover it at once and it's very overwhelming and then no one talks about it Mm -hmm. for a long time Mm -hmm. so I think that it's good that they're covering it but I think we need to be more consistent about it. Because also another thing that I found that has improved, um, it says like in 2004, um, it was kind of half of the people who like were talking about like the articles that were published were like um, half of them like believed that climate change was real and half of them didn't. But now like most of them do. Like 90% of media coverage accurately represented the scientific consensus that human activity is driving global warming. So that's good that we're mm-hmm. caught up with that. But I feel like we could still do better. So here, here's the thing about the media. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what the media is. I mean, because yeah. um, there's so much. I mean, is it? Is it the nightly shows on cable with people just ranting and, you know, mm-hmm. talking off the top of their heads or the opposite end? <laughs> um, you know, or is it, you know, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, um, some serious magazines yeah. covering the issues? Um, and then you got to think about the audience. This is the thing that frustrates me. Um once people stop their schooling, get into the jobs, they've got a family and a bunch of kids, how much attention are they paying to the issues? When you're in college, you guys are really tuned in. You're really, I mean, you've got time to think about it, energy um, and the space in your heads for it to occupy. Mm-hmm. But trying to reach the audience about how this a serious problem, you know, they got other things on their mind. I mean, you know, especially these days with inflation and, you know, prices and all sorts of stuff there, you know, how do I get to the end of the month? So then you come at them and say, like, I just saw um, an article this morning about Jamestown, which I have yet to go see. um, But it's right on the coast of Virginia. And they're talking about how it's at risk for flooding, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's so important to you know, North America for us to see the settlers um, where they first were in the first town. and um, But it's going to get flooded, and that caught my eye. Mm. But to keep a sustained interest, and, and then you add in the fact, I can't remember what the numbers are, whether it's 40% of re- uh, new reporters have been cut in the last 20 years. I mean, wow. it's newsrooms are just a shell of what they were. Mm -hmm. You know, I I talk about it in class that, you know, if you lost 40% of your cops, your 40% of your teachers, Mm -hmm. people would be up in arms. But they don't care 
that 40% of reporters, because they hate reporters, have been cut. But where do you get your information? I mean, where, how would we know anything that's going on in the world if we didn't have reporters? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe somebody in the government would tell us, but would we believe them? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're going to make the thing look good. So I mean, it drives me crazy when people say, we don't need reporters or they're terrible or whatever, because if you don't have reporters, the only other way you're going to get information is from official sources. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't always trust official sources. I would like to have an independent voice. Okay. And the founders, <laughs> right, I'm going slightly off on a tangent, because I get you that you want to know more about this, but the founders set the media up. They didn't call it the media at the time. They called them printers, but they sent that up as the fourth estate. They, mm-hmm. they, they wanted somebody to watch over the government. So if the government, mm-hmm. you know, tried to do something sneaky or did some, you know, just a check on the government. It was set up that way. So they're important. And so the fact that we don't have reporters who can cover this, I mean, we have, sure, National Geographic, um, Scientific American, obviously they're going to cover it. Yeah. I mean, how many people subscribe to that? Right. True. You know? I mean, I don't know how many times... Okay, I'll put you guys on the spot. <laughs> what do you guys subscribe to? Do you subscribe to any news? I subs- used to subscribe to New York Times, but then I got really broke. It's only a dollar, <laughs> a, dollar a, week. a week. It's $4 a month. I know, I know. My dad sends me the Chicago Tribune every day, though, so I, I get that. Okay. He has a subscription. Although that, I, I used to love that paper, but it's a shell of itself. But, oh, really? Yeah, but it's, it's still something. <laughs> but he's paying for it? He's paying for it. Good. But, yeah. Um, I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. Um, I did for, like, one of my finance classes, like, last year, because I had to, like, report on a lot of, like, stock market news. And it's like a good um, resource for that. So I just never canceled my subscription. Oh. So I get a lot of push notifications. Yeah, I don't always like look at them or like go on the app, but I do have access to it. Yeah. Right. But I mean, that's the thing. People don't subscribe to it. They And a lot of them will say, well, I get free news. I know what's going on because I get it for free. Right. Well, I don't know about you, but I like to get paid. And yeah. so as a reporter, <laughs> I'm not going to waste my time going out and covering a story and then going, hey, this is for free. And so, yeah, I mean, if nobody subscribes, Mm -hmm. then newsrooms keep cutting, and then there's nobody to report on really important issues. Mm -hmm. And then the public, I I just worry that they're not as serious. They're, Mm -hmm. They're on their phones. They're, you know, wondering what the top 10 shows on Netflix are, (laughs) and they're not keying in on this. So that's why when there is a big event, they go after it, Mm -hmm. but I don't know how many of them have an environmental reporter. Mm, True. It should be an important beat, but... Why do you think there's like a hesitancy to even subscribe to New York Times for a dollar a week? Like, even like myself, I'm like, 
do I really want to spend the money? Which like You'd is better. so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it's dumb. Yeah. Because people think they're getting what they need for free. It's like they think they watch television and the ads don't affect them, mm. but they do. Mm. Um, it's like, oh, I'm on the Internet. Nothing is, you know, they're not steering me in any way. I am an independent being. I can, I know what I know. Mm -hmm. But what you don't know is you're being propagandized or steered. They're gathering up the information on every click you make. So nothing is free. You think it's free, but it's not. And yeah, I, but I can talk about this till I'm blue in the face and I don't think <laughs> I've ever convinced anybody and apparently not you. <laughs> you know, I might, I might subscribe again. You better. I think I will. You I better. You gotta, I mean, this country asks so little of us. I know. We've got this wonderful country and you don't have to do anything except pay taxes you don't even have to vote although you should right i mean you, you got to serve on jury duty and people complain and try to get out of that to me i get excited right. when i get jury duty because i feel like oh you've asked me to do something i am happy to help out right it just drives me crazy and the other thing is the founders wanted an informed citizenry, which is why they uh, reduced postal rates for books and magazines and newspapers because they wanted information to flow. They figured if we had smart people, they would make good decisions. Mm. And so it drives me crazy if people, because that, okay, so basically what the country asks for you, for you to do is be educated pay taxes, serve in jury duty, and vote. You know, and if you want to do anything more, like serve the country in some way, great. But those are the only things you have to do. Mm -hmm. But but people don't stay informed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, or if they do think they stay informed, they watch one side, and they don't, you know, get a variety. Like, I, the Wall Street Journal and the editorial page and I don't agree, but I read it. Mm -hmm. And some, because I don't have all the answers, I may lean one way, but I know that that's, I don't know everything. There's could be a good point over there. So you read it and you look for stuff. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So I worry about the public and how much they're paying attention. Yeah, I agree with that too. Yeah. I feel like the younger generation, I don't think we subscribe more to news but I think we're paying attention more because I think especially with like climate change like it's going to impact us the most of like any generation out there right now so I think that we have been paying more attention to that and try to call more attention to it well you know I it's funny I asked I interviewed a professor a geography professor over at Augie this morning mm -hmm. about sustainability he was doing us a, um, a mapping project on bicycling um, where all the accidents are in the Quad Cities where, you know, um, safety issues might appear. He's coming up with a website so you can hit a button and say, oh, I had a terrible experience here. Or I had a good experience here. So we'll be able to see where a good place to bike is or where places to avoid. And I did ask him, because he's younger than I am, 
and I and he's into sustainability as uh, cities, and and I asked him whether he feels like younger people care about that, and he thought they did that mm-hmm. they were more interested than because he was talking. We were talking about cars versus bikes. I'm really interested in making it more easier for bikes to get around and safer for bikes and um but i think a lot of older people aren't older than me (laughs) if that's possible but yeah i mean they want to sit in their cars and go fast and not go slow and let have more bikers to me it makes sense it would be a um, if you had a bike friendly city i would think you'd be able to attract people to it oh yeah i mean to me okay I got to tell you about my plan. Okay. <laughs> for Davenport or? Oh, yeah, for the whole area. Ooh. So, for bikes. Yeah. So, I went on Ragbri a few years ago and I absolutely loved it. And not for the parties or whatever. I just loved riding on those country roads, looking around, going slowly by the farms. You know, I'm going 10 or 15 miles an hour. And I'm seeing the farms really, you know, you go by at 60, 65, you don't see, yeah, right. you know, the country. But you could really feel the country. And then you pull into a small town and you got a feeling for the small town. And I thought, we do this for one week a year and people from all over the country come here. Why don't you take, like, say, get together with Scott County Clinton County, um, what's Makoka in Jones? Jackson. Jackson. And um, map out a route that would take you a week and have it go through these small towns. And you go through these small towns, there's always an abandoned brick building somewhere. <laughs> and you make it into a hostel or something, a nicer hostel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the bar could have specials because every small town has a bar <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah and um to me you could get people from all over the country coming and you obviously you got to make those roads safe mm-hmm. so you know maybe you add an extra lane maybe you find an some old roads that could be paved out of the way or graded so that's my plan i think it would be great That'd for be tourism fun. and it'd be fun yeah huh. So there it's you, your next project. Huh? Your next project. Yeah. Well, I got to go talk to some supervisor <laughs> push my idea. But, but yeah, I just wonder if people are interested in that. Younger people are. Mm-hmm. Older people will go, taxes. Yeah. But we always have money for tanks and armaments. Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. That is something that is, yeah, we don't like question it either. We're just like, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's never pushback on that. Mm-hmm. There's always pushback on a new road or a, you know, new sidewalk. Oh my God, a new sidewalk that'll cost money. Tank, you know, <laughs> multi-million-dollar jet that, by the time it's designed and finished, is useless. Yeah, we've done that. Yeah, we do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Very big budget for that. Because yeah. I know a lot of people. Um, or recently I've seen, like, people are, are calling to, like, cut that budget right. so, so we can actually use it for other things that we need. 
Not going to happen. No. We, we can try. We can try. We tried in the 60s. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but another thing um, that I was reading about, um, or like and kind of what I think too, is that um, so since we norm like it gets co- things get covered when there's like big events like um, with the environment and stuff that we make sure that we're providing solutions to like the problems as well when we're covering that because I know a few weeks ago with um, like the climate strikes a lot of people well I guess it was a lot on like Twitter um, but I also saw a lot of like different news articles too. We're just talking about like how messed up the planet is and like how we're all gonna like die basically. Which like is it true? Yeah, kind of, but like they didn't offer any like solution or like hope. So I was just like doom scrolling right. like the whole day after all of that stuff happened and it like makes like my mental health like not good. It makes me not wanna do anything, like well it's what I'm doing even like making an impact which like yes it is but like when you everyone's saying that nothing's working and that we're all screwed it makes it hard to like try and like when you like tell people that we're all gonna like burn (laughs) because the earth is so hot then they're not motivated to do anything if you especially if you don't give them any solutions or like ways to help Mm -hmm. so I think that's what we should the main thing we should focus on is like providing solutions as well with like the information about like what's going on and how bad it is, but also like what we can do about it. Mm-hmm. You got to do what you got to do. I mean, you yeah. can't, you can't, you can't give up. I mean, so you can't sit there and go, ah, I feel terrible. Um, you just got to keep moving forward because maybe they're not going to do anything but right. you've got to make the effort. Somebody's got to make the effort. It's kind of like in, um, uh, what was the movie, Brave New World, where I, um, I showed you guys the the television version mm-hmm. where at the end that kid, the one kid is not being hypnotized by the, the drone speaking and he puts cotton in his ears so he can't hear the negativity. And I joke that, you know, and then sequel, he's going to save the world. But that's kind of what you have to do. You kind of have to think, okay, there's lots of negativity. There's, you know, people saying, well, it's bad. It's going to be what it is. You know, you can't let that be your mantra. You've got to have your own and jump out in front and lead people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you guys are important. I mean, you know, <laughs> but it, it's like... I'm teaching at a small school. I have at the most 25 people in that media and society class. And so what do I affect? Maybe 50 people a year for 30 years. What is that? 150, 1,500 people, maybe. And probably I didn't reach, let's just say I reached half of them. (laughs) Um, But so I'm trying to get them think about the media they consume, not just mindlessly consume it. I want them to really study it and act on it and be active participants. And so if I thought about it realistically and go, 
you know, what difference am I making? I'm just making, you know, I don't have a lecture hall of 1,500. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got 25. But I'm making a difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope I'm making a difference for that group. Right. And that's, so, I mean, mm-hmm. you do what you guys can do, yeah, you know, right. in your own little way or big way, you know, depends on whatever right. happens. But even if it's a little way, mm-hmm. you're still making a difference in your sphere. And who knows where the ripples go? Sorry. No, you're, I would say I think there's a lot of big benefit in having like a smaller class size and a big class size because you have that personal connection. And I feel like if I have a personal connection with a professor, I'm more motivated to listen mm-hmm. to them or like mm-hmm. to do like, oh, like, well, I'll think of this perspective or do this. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe sometimes it's better than 1,500. But I don't know. Well, I do like the fact that I got to know all the students. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can look at a grade book and see somebody's name from 25 years ago. Oh, I remember that paper really? or that comment or something. Oh. Yeah. That's not cool. always, but if not the ones who sat in the back and didn't say anything. Yeah. I, try, <laughs> I try to get people to talk. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Emma talked. You talked. <laughs> yeah. 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 Our class was more quiet, I felt like. Yeah. Wasn't there's yeah. a few of us, yeah, but yeah, so okay, I have a question for you guys. Yes, <laughs> so some guy gave a speech in class the other day about recycling, okay. And I, as soon as recycling came out, I was really into it. And I'm you know, especially in the days when we had to separate, and I'm god, it was taking me an hour to reset, separate everything in all the bins. I had like yeah. five or six bins, and now it's all st- one stream. Mm-hmm. But he was talking about a class he took uh, on the other side of campus where the guy was saying that recycling doesn't do anything. And I've seen articles about recycling. You know, it's it just makes you feel good. It's not really doing anything. So what do you guys know about it? Yeah. Set me straight. Well, it's, it's hard because we did a whole podcast on big oil and how basically, like, plastic is made of oil and how a lot of it, like, we don't have the infrastructure to even recycle it. So after reading that, I'm like, why am I even taking the time to, like, clean out my plastic and recycle it? But then at the same time, I'm like, some of it probably is getting recycled, so, like, why not try? And I'm sure Emma has. Yeah, so, like, I th- it is true that a lot of recycling doesn't get yeah. recycled. Um, and, like, big oil is, like, promoting plastic and, like, telling us to recycle stuff so we don't feel bad about it. Right. But also, it's better to try to recycle it, and if 1% ends up actually being recycled, and 99% of it goes to the landfill, then for 100% of it just to go to the landfill. Right. So, it's not what we think it is. Like, it's not just uh, a perfect solution to using plastic, but it's better than nothing. Right. Mm. Yeah. So okay, so I should keep doing it. Yeah, and I take the I take the little screw lid off because it's a different type of plastic than mm-hmm. the bottle. Yeah, yeah. It's so confusing. There's so many different types, and you're like, I'm not if I could, I don't know if I can recycle this or not. And mm-hmm. when in doubt, throw it out. <sighs> I guess, <laughs> but I think that engaging in any type of environmental activity or sustainability mm-hmm. things um, will lead to more activities right so I feel like if you maybe slack off on recycling 
then you're maybe you'll feel less motivated to do other things because then you'll like maybe question if like well is this even doing anything Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so I think we just try to do the best that we can and just try to use less plastic in general if possible right okay so I got an idea how about if (laughs) you guys when you graduate you start an environmental magazine where um and obviously it could be online (laughs) it's you know publication public printing costs are can be prohibitive Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, these are interesting ideas and I, there is a lot of confusion about some of the Mm -hmm. topics. And if you, I don't know, I mean, you know, I, I get these from my friends will say, oh, don't uh, pick up your leaves because it's good for the environment. If you leave them, you know, good for the organisms and stuff. I mean, there's tons of stories. Like don't mow until June. Yeah, well then, if, but if you have a dog, I mean, it's problematic. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I, so hone your writing skills. I mean, you did like you writing? take any writing? You took some. Yeah, I almost majored in English because I like, I like writing and reading and stuff. Like yeah, that, yeah, I mean, you could write about this. I mean, I would say go get a job as an environmental reporter, but none of the papers I mean, they don't even have a religion editor anymore, even though, you know, how many millions of people are interested in religion? And they'll grab some articles off the newswire and play it, place them on Saturday morning and call it a religion section. But um, I think there's a market for environmental news. Right. I mean, not just when, what was her name, Greta, um, mm-hmm. shows up. I mean, she was, I thought she was great. What did you guys think about her did she help the movement? I think yeah. so. Uh, we I actually just talked, well, I didn't talk about it, but Dennis Tracy talked about it in class the other day, how she started, like, yeah. global, um, like, climate strikes from just because mm-hmm. she decided to not go to school and, like, strike right. instead. And, like, that's, like, started a whole big thing. Yeah. And then, so, yeah, I think it really has made a difference. And she's, like, internationally, mm-hmm. like, famous now. I think she engaged the youth really well, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I found her very appealing. I mean, I, I, I really hated it when people were bullying her and saying these terrible things about her. I mean, I, th- I mean, she made me think about some things, and I think that's right. great. She's, like, actually sacrificing for the environment, which a lot yeah. of us don't, including yeah. myself. Yeah. I mean— that is really heroic. It's hard for most of us. You know, we've got, we live our conventional lives mm-hmm. and maybe we'll step out for a protest or two, but we've really got to get back to work or get back to our right. families. And for somebody like that to, you know, just say, I'm going to do this, um, it's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. And it can generate some interest. But that's what happens with the media. They, if there's something big, they'll go after it. But once that dies down or they don't have any more follows, then they go on to the next thing that happens. So, which that makes sense, mm-hmm. but also that could be like a reason why we there needs to be more like right. dedicated people to it mm-hmm. or, and organizations to it. I mean, there already are, but like even more. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. we should do that. Do you want to start a magazine, Laura? <laughs> I'll have time. Why not? True. But it could be, you know, when you're in grad school. And you get assigned a project or something like that, you could test it out. I mean, that's one of the cool things about grad school. It depends on the course, obviously. Some of them are you're going to 
have prescribed assignments, but some of them will have, you know, pick a topic, you know, do whatever, and that could be part of it, and you could kind of test it out, kind of like you're doing with your podcast. Mm -hmm. So this podcast was about environmentalism, but here I am <laughs> giving you a career advice. <laughs> it all relates back. It. Yeah. It does. Yeah. A little intersectionality or whatever. I love that, yeah. Um, I guess we were also going to talk about, like, the – Bikeability and uh, walkability of the Quad Cities, but we kind of already uh, yeah. talked about that oh. a little bit. Well, okay, but I have some thoughts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I love riding my bike. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. When I get on the bike in the spring, it's like I'm 10 years old again. It's yeah. like the first time I was able to leave the block. You know, it's like, bye, Mom and Dad. <laughs> Here I go. I'm going down to the drugstore, and I'm going to buy baseball cards. You know, it's just every time. I love it. Um, and we have some great paths. We have uh, the Duck Creek Path. That's the first one. I remember in 1980 when I first started, I did a bunch of reports on it because, you know, they'd have one section, like a mile of it, and then, you know, a month or two later that, the next mile would be there. And there was a guy over on Eastern, Mose Corey had a farm over there, um, partly where the disc golf course is on the other side of Eastern, the Eastern side of Eastern. <laughs> and he would stand out there with a shotgun because oh the city, he had, the city had come to him and offered money for his land. Um, as I recall, they didn't, take it from him. They can with eminent domain, but mm -hmm. they offered him money. He sold it, but I guess he didn't realize exactly what they were going to do with it. And um, so he'd be standing there with his gun. He wasn't aiming at anybody, but he'd just be standing out there while the workers were pouring the, the blacktop and stuff. And it went to court and, you know, they finally got him to leave because, but so I was there at the beginning <laughs> And once it got done, oh, my gosh. I mean, I used to rollerblade on it, and um, I still bike on it. And then we got the one on the river, mm -hmm. and then the one on Illinois. I, I've ridden up to Savannah on that one. Mm -hmm. That is terrific. The problem is we don't have them connecting. Yeah. So, I mean, you can do the loop on the Iowa side, but now, although now you can connect because of the I-74. Yeah, the I-74 oh, right. thing. You oh, can yeah. go over there. Bettendorf has done a fabulous job. Uh, Decker Plain, the city administrator, used to be a cop. Mm -hmm. And I talked to him a few years ago about it. And he said, I said, why are you doing these wide sidewalks? And he said, well, you know, people want a bike. And I don't want them on the road because bikes and cars don't mix. Mm -hmm. And he said the lanes, he said, it, you know, it's not going to keep the bikes and the cars apart. And he didn't want to put barriers on the road. So one of the things they do is every time they put in a new road over there, they have to put in a wide sidewalk. Oh. So it's part, when you make a bid on a road over there, you've also got to put a wide sidewalk in. Oh. So, I mean, I live in Davenport. I like my neighborhood and all that. But I really, you know, to me, it's a draw. I mean, yeah. where you could ride all around town on right. your bike and get where you need to go. Um, you know, you guys ask me about retirement. Sometimes when I look at retirement communities, I'm not going to one because that's where old people are. <laughs> um, 
and I don't want to be that. <laughs> I don't want to be driving around in my golf cart, seeing my neighbors. Um, but to me, that's a draw. And I look at communities that have biking and walking accessibility that make it fun to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think Bettendorf's is doing a great job in that. It's probably hard to retrofit places like Rock Island and Moline and Davenport. Yeah. But, I mean, does Marquette have to be four lanes or does it have to be as wide as it is? Maybe you shrink it a little bit and put a bike lane down to the river there. I mean, I'm not a city planner. <laughs> I, I'm sure somebody could come up with a reason why. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I there's good biking, there's good stuff around here, but I just wish there'd be more thinking about that. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of hard to like bike downtown if you don't want to come back up the hills right i run up those hills and i'd rather run up a hill than bike up a hill but like they're yeah. tough you got to zigzag yeah that's what i do i'll go up a block go over a block oh, go up that's a, block, a good idea go over a block. That is a good so you get a, get a little break in there yeah yeah so you can catch your wind and make, <laughs> yeah. sure, make sure you're in the right gear yeah but, and and main street is the easiest one to go up Mm. Yeah, I agree. Are you yeah. going to Ripley? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh no, I, I haven't biked Ripley. I mean, Ripley's so steep, they have stairs on the side. Yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, no. That's, like, straight up. Yeah, Gaines yeah. Is, is a little rough, too, running up that. Yeah, yeah. I've never gone up Gaines. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I wish we were able to walk to more places. At least, like, you can kind of walk from campus. Like, you can go to Aldi. You can go to like a few restaurants on Locust, right. but like the sidewalk is yeah. so close to the street. It is a little. It didn't used to be. That's you know, it's like Central Park. I mean, it's insane how close you are. They got to put those yellow things on the telephone poles. I mean, is it Central Park? Yeah, it's Central Park. Where they put those yellow things on a telephone pole because you're this, your car's yeah. two inches away. Mm-hmm. They widen that street to make it four lanes. I mean, really, how much traffic is there on Central Park? And where the heck are you going? I mean, are you in a <laughs> hurry to get the e-mice for your tea time? You know, or are you in a hurry to get to the hospital? Well, on the other <laughs> end, that, that maybe. But, but, yeah, I mean, and you look at the, yeah, it's just so narrow, those four lanes. And if it was two lanes and you had a little wider sidewalk, yeah. But you talk about big oil pushing the plastic, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but, <laughs> I mean, is there a reason that we're so car-driven? I mean, yeah, w- yeah. why do we all have to have cars? Yeah. And it's big oil. <laughs> it's big oil. Yeah, I mean, they're not, they're, they're probably other factors, actually. There's right. a great documentary that talks about some of this stuff, that why things are the way they are. Yeah. And it's usually... Lots of complicated reasons, but it's usually for money somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. well, if we have like um, urban sprawl, like we like in Europe, how all the cities are kind of like close together and you can walk, but in the United States, it's like like downtown, and then they just like spread out because we have first the room to do it, but then also like like big oil can like lobby and like do stuff like that with zoning and stuff, so like people have to drive in to work and then like suburbia and like ah. 
to think that. about it, though, you know, if you go downtown Davenport, there are a couple of streets where you can still see the old trolley tracks. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't it be nice if we just had, you know, trolleys trolley. between downtown and the campus? Right. Or, That'd be awesome. Right. So many people would use that. I oh, know. I know. It'd be so nice. So pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> oh, when I, I went to San Francisco, geez, I don't know, a few years ago, I loved it because I could get anywhere on mass transportation. Right. It was almost like being in Europe in a way mm-hmm. um, where you could just get where you needed to go without having to get a car. And mm-hmm. Plus in San Francisco, who'd want to drive on those hills? Yeah, true. I, I have a clutch, so <laughs> it'd be hard. <laughs> well, thank you so yeah. much for being here today. Oh, yeah, this was, this was fun. fun. Yeah. Good to see you guys before you graduate. Yeah. yeah. Next time I see you, maybe on the stage. Yeah, because you say our names. I say our names. <gasps> you do? Yeah, so as you oh. walk by me, I'll be in a zone. I'm not even going to look at you. I, I look for that card to make sure I don't drop it, and then I pull it over and I read your name. So make sure you give me a whack as you walk by. Just, <laughs> Will do. So that, yeah. Was, it? What happens is I'll see your name, and I'll read it, and you're, you've already walked. And I'll go, oh, okay. <laughs> So you already walked by me, so that's why you got to whap me. Do you get nervous, like, pronouncing people's names at all? Um. No, not really. What I do is I practice. You know, all exam week, you know, um, they send me a list and I practice and I practice. And then the ones I don't know, I send them an email and tell them to call my machine. Oh, okay. Oh, I unhooked my phone. I hate that phone. How <laughs> um, what I'm going to do. Anyway, so they call and they pronounce it and then I practice that. What drives me crazy is nobody knows phonetics anymore. Yeah. So they'll, you know, they won't tell me what the A, whether it's an A or an A uh, or whatever, or, or they'll draw a line over it and I'll go, that's not normal for that name. <laughs> and it turns out they just didn't know how to, the symbols. But anyway, so I, I won't be nervous. By the time I get to you guys, I won't be nervous. Okay. Give you a whack. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I gotta read this disclaimer. Right. This podcast was recorded at the studios of KLA FM St. Ambrose University. Opinions expressed are not necessarily those of KLA Radio or St. Ambrose University. And then to end our episode, we have to do our little uh, slogan. Yeah, a little slogan. <laughs> it's go green and go bees. And I always mess it up, and Laura yells at me. <laughs> or I yell at Laura. Say it with us, yeah. But hey, we can count down and then do it. Three, two, one. Go green and go bees. Bye. See ya.